Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace. Thanks for being here. Good morning to everyone watching online, and uh, look forward to a great conversation today. Before I jump into it, uh, I want to emphasize again uh, one of the things uh, that's in your program or on the app if you want to look at it, and that is all of these summer camps coming up. Uh, mom, dad, uh, grandparents, really encourage you to look at that. Um, we have camps for children, for junior high kids, senior high kids, and, and uh, even uh, mission trips and things like that. And these are wonderful investments. Um, Heidi and I, my wife and I have six children, and uh, we work really hard to help them be at camp. And it's expensive, but plasma is selling for a really good rate right now. You can do that. Uh, but I, I know that she would agree that these camps are one of the best investments that we make. Uh, it puts the kids in a different environment. They open up their mind a little bit uh, more to the things of the Lord. They make great friends. Um, children, junior high, Momentum Youth Conference, I think is the best money we ever spend as a, as a parent. I think it's the best investment you can make, get your teenager there. So if, you, if that's new to you, if like sending your kid to camp is a new thing or something you're waffling on a little bit, uh, Double-click on that. It's a really, really good investment and uh, something that uh, I encourage you to, to think through and, and consider seriously and take a look at, okay? All right, uh, we're in a series right now uh, called It's a Match, My So-Called Love Life. And uh, just a little bit of a disclaimer as we get rolling, this is a PG-13 series. So if you have children here that are under the age of 13, uh, I'm just giving you a heads up. We're going to have a, a blunt and open conversation uh, about relationships and dating. So uh, if you have an awkward conversation on the way home in the minivan, that's now your responsibility, not my responsibility. Uh, but if you want to duck out and uh, let them discover power kids downstairs, they'll have a blast. If you want them here, that's fine. I just want you to know ahead of time what we're talking about. Uh, in this series, we've been looking at dating and marriage. And what we did, what we've been saying is this, that today... If you're a younger single person, if you're in high school, college, or just single for whatever reason, the idea of marriage is not necessarily an appealing idea, right? And we have to admit that. When the church says be married or, or you say to your college students, you know, get, get married one day, they're, they're looking at marriage and they don't look at it necessarily fondly. Uh, marriage to them is something that that has kind of a bad rap. Uh, 50% of marriages end in divorce. Of the 50% that aren't divorced, the, the minority of those marriages are thriving and healthy and happy. And so if you say you need to get married, many folks would look and say, well, why would I do that? I'm not looking for a broken down dysfunctional relationship. What I want is I want to find love. And that's a very honest statement and one that we, I think, need to accept a little bit. That when I think about a relationship, I'm not thinking about marriage, I'm thinking about love. Someone who will give their life to me, someone that I can give my life to. Uh, the idea of loving each other, going through the ups and downs of life together, growing old together. It's a very appealing idea if it's healthy and a healthy relationship. But the examples of that that are often shown in marriage are not examples that are particularly exciting or fun. Now, this is what I've been saying to all of us who are single, right? This desire to be loved. The folks who are married and in the broken down marriages had the exact same desire you do. 
They also wanted to be loved. In fact, they thought they found love. That's why they said, I do. And so they never set out to go and live in dysfunction junction, right? So they, they set out to love someone and be loved by someone. What I am saying is the path from dating to marriage, the path they took is the exact same one you're on right now. They dated each other exactly the same way that you were dating each other. Dating is where we discover each other. It's where we set expectations. It's literally kind of a filtering system. And when we go through dating, we feel like we found someone that we can build a life with, then we say, I do to them. They did that for the same reason you do that, but they did it in the same way that you do it, and dysfunction junction is the outcome. I'm proposing, what if we change the way we date? What if we put ourselves in a different paradigm? By the way, if you're married, this is the key to a healthy marriage, is to date well within marriage. So I'm saying, well, what if we screened differently? What if we thought differently? What if we went into a different paradigm? Uh, one of the ideas that I put out last weekend was, what if we deepened the motivation for dating? So what if we looked at every dating partner as a potential marriage partner? And when, the, when dating starts to heat up a little bit, or a month or two or three into it or whatever it is, and things are getting serious in a longer term, what if we looked at that person differently? Instead of this is who I sleep with, or this is who I have fun with, or this is who I like to be with, what if we looked and said, could I build a life with this person? How would I view them differently? And then we said, what if we tried to attract each other differently? Instead of just looks or personality or those kind of things, what, what if we looked and said, what if, what if I were to become the person that I am looking for? What if I look to deepen and highlight those attributes in my life so that someone who is like that, who my ideal person is, would be attracted to me as well? So we've been in that conversation, and it's all out online, bath.graceohio.org, if you want to watch it or listen to it. Get a podcast for free through iTunes if you want, and kind of fill in those blanks if you want to. This weekend, what I want to do, this weekend, next week, weekend in particular, is I want to start to put some kind of skin on these ideas of becoming the person that I'm looking for. And I, I told you last weekend, I, I want to start by talking to women about that, ladies. So how do I become the person that I'm looking for? And then next weekend, we're going to flip the coin, and I'm going to talk to the fellas about that, all right? So this weekend... I want to talk to all the single ladies, all the single ladies, right? So I want to, I want to talk to you about that, and, uh, and I want to uh, dig into the Bible and talk about how you can become who you're looking for. Now, before I get into this, I want to, I want to preface this a little bit, okay? So I want to talk about some elephants in the room before I get into a conversation talking uh, specifically to women. So here's some things that I know. Number one, I am not a woman, this was a shock to me also, right? So I am not a woman. So ladies, I am not pretending to know how to read your mind, and you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to do my best to communicate, but if I say something a little bit wrong or, or bias it a little bit, you're going to have to like forgive me and be gracious. I'm serious about this because I am not, I'm not pretending to, to read your brain, okay? So I know that. Here's the second elephant we need to talk about. The church capital C, the big church, has a history of belittling and being patronizing to women. And we just need to accept that that's actually true, okay? 
So there is that. So sometimes, ladies, if you grew up in the church, you come in and the pastor's like, I'm going to talk to the women. You, you tense up. You're like, great. Right? Here, here it goes again. I am saying I recognize that. I recognize that that could make us a little defensive. Again, I'm asking you to trust me because, ready? I do not have a history of patronizing and belittling women. If you've come to Grace, you have not got that from me. And Grace Church does not patronize or belittle women. So you have to let us be us, and, and you have to let, so to say, our relationship be our relationship. And remember, it, it's, it's me talking to you, and, and I'm not trying to do that at all. Okay, here's the third thing I, I want to address. If the stats are right, and I would propose they're probably low, but if the stats are right, at, at least 25% of women have been abused, sexually, physically, emotionally. Okay, now... This is what happens when you go through abuse. Those of us who have been abused, this is what happens. When we hear ideal things from Scripture, like ideally, this is how this would happen, or ideally, this is the kind of guy that I would marry. When we hear ideal things from Scripture, if you've been abused, you tend to interpret that in a defeating way. Well, great. This is what a quality guy is, but I have baggage, so I'll never meet one. And so when you hear things from Scripture, instead of them encouraging you or, or building you up, if you've been abused, they tend to defeat you and discourage you because you feel unworthy in, in different ways. And that's a, by the way, that's a very normal thing. There's nothing wrong with you. If you've gone through abuse, that's a, that's a normal thing. Again, we're going to have to trust each other. I'm going, to, I'm going to try to bring things out of the Scriptures for you. And, and I need you to, like, help work at uh, listening to the heart of God. Because God, if you are a follower of Christ, God does not define you by your past. He defines you by your future. So God does not look at you as broken. He does not look at you as messed up. He is your perfect heavenly father. He values you. He cherishes you. He, he views you with dignity and worth. And so when he says things to you from Scripture, it's because he believes, so to say, that you're worthy of those things, okay? So we're going to have to work at that a little bit as we go through this. And then here, here's the, the last kind of elephant in the room. I am not giving you 10 ways to catch a guy, all right? I'm not the, the magazines at the Walmart checkout, right? 14 ways to please your man. That's not what we're doing, right? So none of this is like a list of ways to get a guy. That I'm, I, wouldn't, I think that's belittling, frankly, so I wouldn't do that. What I'm trying to say is this, you being godly is how you become the person that you're looking for, because you're looking for a godly person. So everything I'm going to talk about, you can apply it to your relationship with your friends, to your relationship with your mom and dad, to your relationship with your siblings. I am going to apply it to dating, but it's one application. So I'm not, I'm not trying to teach you like how to catch a guy. We're really talking about how to be a godly person, but the application I'm going to make is into dating, okay? Does that make sense? So can we agree on those things or we're going to kind of trust each other as we go through this? Yes? All right, I heard a guy say yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm really not talking to you right now, so, but thanks for the affirmation. Uh, ladies, can we agree? Yes? Okay, so you trust me, and I'll do my best, okay, as we go through this. So here we are. How do you 
connect with a godly guy, and this is the way that I'm going to try to approach this. I'm going to try to help you get inside the mind of a guy, okay? So what is a godly man looking for in a godly woman? And then next week, we're going to flip it. We're going to try to get inside the, the mind of a godly woman, okay? But this week, I'm going to try to get inside the mind of a godly guy and help us understand each other. Now, to get this dating relationship where we want it to be, we have to reverse engineer it off of marriage, okay? So I want to start by talking about marriage for a second. So grab your Bibles, open them up to Ephesians chapter 5. And the, the Bibles that you have there in the chairs or the Bibles that you might pass out there at the box, uh, it will be page 816 in those Bibles, okay? Ephesians chapter 5, page 816. And in Ephesians chapter 5, God describes or teaches what marriage is in a nutshell. It's one of the most uh, concise places that he talks about marriage. We talked about that in more detail last weekend, and so if you want that detailed conversation, go listen to it. I don't want to go back through it for time this weekend. But I want to talk about how that whole conversation is framed. So before God talks about the role of a wife and the role of a husband, he frames the whole conversation and everything after this verse comes through that filter, okay? So Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now that word submit is a fascinating word, and it means this, I defined it for you. Submission is when I selflessly give the best of myself to another, Catch that? Submission is when I selflessly give the best of myself to another. So everything God has to say in Ephesians 5 about marriage is under the heading of I give the best of myself away. A husband submits to his wife. He gives the best of himself to his wife. A wife submits to her husband. She gives the best of herself to her, her husband. In the Bible, in marriage submission is not weighted to one gender. And this is one of the ways that the church has I, I, taught it incorrectly. They would look and say, wife, submit to your husband, and basically they're saying, do what you're told. And when you understand what God is saying here, he's not saying that at all. He's saying, each of you, following Christ, put others' interest above your own, is how uh, Paul would say that in Philippians. You give the best of yourself to another, all right? And you submit. Then wives, you submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, you die to yourself as Christ did for the church. But a marriage, an ideal marriage, is two people looking to love each other by giving themselves to each other, okay? Now, everything we talk about in dating has to be framed off of that, that I want to give myself away and I'm looking then for someone who wants to do the same thing. So ladies, here's the deal. A godly man is looking for the exact same thing you are. He's looking for love. He wants, he wants to love you. He wants to submit to you, to give the best of himself away. And he's looking for someone who wants to love him, who wants to give the best of himself away to, to him. And so he's looking for love. And he would look at God's definition of love, just like you might, and say, well, that's exactly what I want. 
So let's look at that, and this is where we're going to camp. If you go back to the left in your Bibles a few pages, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, go to the left about 16 pages to page 800, and you will find God's definition of love. It's what you want, it's what he wants, it's what we all want. We want to be loved. Love plays out in the marriage environment through submission, I'm giving the best of myself to you for your benefit, okay? So God says this, this is love. Verse 4, chapter 13, 1 Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, Love never fails. And we would look at that and say, well, I want that. I mean, that's fantastic. I want somebody that would love me like that. And God would say, right, that's a New Testament marriage. That's a marriage? Yeah. Not dysfunction junction? Right. Two people trying to, wanting to, desiring to give this to each other is God's definition of what marriage is, could, and should be, okay? So, a godly guy, ladies, is looking for this. Now, this is what happens. Men interpret love differently than women. So that we're looking for the same definition, but the the rails or the delivery mechanism is going to be different for a guy than it is for a girl, which is fine. And so this is where we want to get inside the head of a a man. And by the way, wives, if you're looking to understand your husband, good good luck. But this will help a little bit, okay? So you get inside each other's, and we'll translate it this way, okay? So let's look at this, and let me show you how this works a little bit. So a godly guy is looking for a girl who will love him by being patient and kind, okay? Okay? So a godly man is looking for a woman who is patient and kind. He will understand patience and kindness in terms of gentleness and respect. Okay? In terms of gentleness and respect. That's how, it's, that's how patience and kindness make sense to a guy's brain generally. By the way, I'm going to like stereotype like there's no tomorrow. I know we're all individuals, but this will get us in the right ballparks with things, Okay? So he's going to translate patience and kindness as gentleness and respect. Now, this is what God says in in 1 Peter chapter 3. Here it is. Wives, in the same, because remember, we're, we're reverse engineering, right? So wives, in the same way, submit yourself to your own husbands. Give the best of yourself to your husbands so that... If any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and the reverence of their lives. Now, let me, ladies, let me tell you how a man reads that. He's going to look and say, love me by being gentle with me and respecting me. Don't throw a bunch of words at me. Like, I, I, I dial it out. I can't take it right? Men like lists. You ever have a guy look at you and, and you're trying to express yourself to him and he looks at you and just says, tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do, right? So he translates, I, I want to be loved. Give the best of yourself to me. I'm going to translate it as gentleness, not too many words, and respect. Now, let me talk about respect and then we're going to tr- track this on to something. Ladies, 
one of the needs that men have is respect. A man generally needs to be respected, okay? And it's not because we're egotistical. God created us that way. So we're made in the image of God. He built that into us. We need to be respected. Now, a man will do anything to get respect. He might demand respect from somebody, some guy that's unhealthy, be like, you better respect me, right? He will, like, drive a certain car to get respect. Look at my Camaro, <laughs> right? He'll do, he'll do that. He will play sports he's no longer capable of playing. He will lift things that he can't lift. He will do kind of just anything to get respect. And a lot of times, a man's need for respect comes out in terms of his ego, like he's egotistical or he's cocky or he's arrogant about something, right? Now, here it is. A godly man is going to know that about himself, and he's going to work against it. He's, he doesn't want to be prideful. He doesn't want to be self-centered. He doesn't want to be egotistical. That's not what's driving him, but he still needs to be respected, and he feels love. He feels patience and kindness, love, when you talk to him or interact with him with a gentleness, and then he interprets that as a respect, right? Now, press pause, and let's look at the second thing. The second thing that a, a godly guy is looking for is this. A godly guy is looking for a woman who does not envy or is boastful or is proud, right? Back to the scripture, because love doesn't do that. Love doesn't envy, it's not boastful, it's not prideful, it doesn't dishonor someone else, okay? So a godly guy, he wants to love somebody like this. He, he doesn't want to be prideful, he doesn't want to be boastful, he doesn't want to dishonor you. And so he is looking for that in return. And this is how he will generally interpret that. A godly guy will look at a woman who is not boastful, not proud, not, not egotistical. She's not stuck on herself. She doesn't think she's all that. She doesn't think she's hot. She's not violently independent from him, right? That all is prideful and boastful to a guy. He will look then and say, if you cheerlead me and you're grateful for my efforts to provide provision, I feel loved, when you're not competing with me, you're completing me, you're my cheerleader, and you express gratitude, I feel love. Now, why is that? Because men, we need to be respected, and men need to be heroic. It's the way we're wired, okay? So, so this is why men like war movies. They're like, I would totally do that. I would totally do that. Even though the guy on the screen's arms are as big as our torsos, I could do that. You know, we, we think like that. This is why we drive the Camaro. This, this is why in midlife we will round second in church league softball with our guts hanging out and blow our hamstring just to score the run, right? We need to be heroic, right? And, and, and by the way, you want us that way. It's also why we're protective. It's why we'll jump on the grenade. It's, it's why we'll, right? It, it, it's not because we're dumb. It's because God created us that way. Now, here it is. Ready? A godly man feels love when a godly woman, ready, cheerleads him and views his efforts to be godly as heroic. 
when she looks and says, man, that guy, that guy it will serve anybody. That guy will, will work in the background. That, my, my reverse engineer from marriage, my husband never lies about anything. He, he runs to his friend's side. He's the guy that you call when, when somebody's in trouble. He is, he, he is committed to helping out the widow, the orphan, the needy person. When you cheerlead his efforts to be godly, he feels loved, right? He feels like you're attracted to him. He's looking for that. Now, a, an ungodly guy might be thrilled if you just think he's all that because of his Camaro. But a godly guy is, seek, remember, he wants to love you. That's the premise. He wants to submit himself to you. And when he seeks to provide and he's steady and he works hard and you cheerlead it, he will soar. By the way, wives, there's, there's a principle here for you that's huge. If you ever look at your husband and thank him for bringing home a paycheck, he'll, he'll bring home 10 more just because you said that. If you ever look at him and say, I am proud to be your wife, he, he will soar because he, he wants that for all the right reasons, right? So godly men are looking for godly responses. They're not looking for you to puff up their ego, right? But they're looking for you to notice and to be proud of and to cheer for because he needs to be respected and he wants to be heroic and when you give the best of yourself to him, because we're submitting to one another, and you're feeding that in him, you will, you will spur him on. Now, Ephesians chapter 10, verse 24, I put this in your notes, says this. Let us consider how to encourage one another to love and good deeds. Now, remember, ladies, I said, we're talking about you being a godly person, not you being like the world's greatest girlfriend. I'm not, talk, I'm not teaching you how to get a guy. But we're going to consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. In the context of dating, and you could expand it to marriage, one of the ways to consider that is by cheerleading. One of the ways to consider that is by being grateful. Ladies, men live most of their lives looking to impress women. Right? You need to know that. And you need to know that you have this amazing opportunity to spur them on to love and good deeds. When you cheerlead their godliness, they will respond to that. Make sense? So a godly guy is thinking, you're just inside the head of a guy right now, right? Inside the mind of a man. And he's thinking in those ways. Here's the next one. A godly man is looking for a woman who is not easily angered and keeps no record of wrongs, just like you. Because that, that's love. Love is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. So he wants to be loved like that. This is the way that a, a, a man generally is going to interpret that. He's going to interpret that as someone who is fun and joyful and gives freedom from past mistakes. So he's looking for someone who's fun who's joyful, she's not always upset about something, and gives freedom from past mistakes. He, he's able to move on. Now, this is important, because guys are, we're created like this. Men generally don't exist in conflict. 
we kind of get it out of our systems. If you are dating a guy who, who exists in conflict, he holds a grudge, you need to run away because he'll hold one towards you. But men generally don't. Like men will hit each other and then like laugh, right? So we, we just don't do that. So when we see someone who is easily angered and who brings up the past again and again and again, it feels like drama to us. And we don't like it. We're going we're gonna to push back against it. Now, in the Bible, there's some proverbs that talk about this. And men love to tease their wives and their girls with these proverbs, okay? So Proverbs 21, 9, 21, uh, verse 21, or chapter 21, verse 9. By the way, if you're writing this reference down right now, fella, you're dead, right? So uh, Proverbs 21, uh, 9, it's better to live in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Okay, that's straight out of the mind of God. Out of the, that's God's word right there, right? Yeah, all the guys are like, ha, ha, ha. And then your wife looks at you, you're like, <laughs> right? I know how it works, right? So we're all, we all want to high five, but we're afraid, right? So here, Proverbs 21, 19, it's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Uh, Proverbs 25, 15, a continually, uh, continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike, right? Now, this is the thing, ladies. When the church has taught this, they've taught it incorrectly generally where they've said, see, this is what women are like. You guys are nags and you're always on us and you need to back off. And that's a horrible, that's a false way to teach this. These verses and verses like this are not about what women are like. Listen real closely. They're not about what women are like. These verses are about how men think. This is, this is inside the mind of a man. So it's not looking to say, yeah, women. This is how a man processes and thinks, and this is the deal. When a guy is with a woman and she's always mad, it grates him on the inside. When a guy is with a woman and he, he is never measured up, when they're fighting and she brings something up and he, and he looks at her and he's like, that, that happened 15 years ago. Feels like yesterday to me, <clears throat> right? Oh, it just drives him. You're, you're inside the mind of a man where he's like, I can't take it. Why can't he take it? Ready? Because a man would look and say, I can't win. I can't win. That is simply looking and saying, I want to be loved. I, I want to, I don't, I don't want a record of wrongs. I don't want someone who's easily angered. I want to be loved, right? Same thing you want. And he, he's, but he's going to translate that as how, are we never going to laugh? Can't we just be like when we were when we were dating? Boyfriend, girlfriend. Why does the past always have to come up? Okay, now, ladies, there are men who create their own drama. And we're going to talk about that next weekend. And if you're dating them, you should run away. Okay? But a godly man doesn't want drama. A godly man wants a woman, we talked about this last weekend, for, for both sides, who wants to rid herself of all bitterness, anger, slander, brawling, and malice. That's what he's looking for. And when he finds someone caught in that, he does not feel loved, right? And that's how it's going to show up in his life. Here's the next thing. A godly man is looking for a woman 
who does not delight in evil, right? It's what love is. Love does not delight in evil. Who does not delight in evil. And for a man, what that usually is going to mean is something like a woman who wants to be an agent of purity in his life and who has a mindset of modesty, okay? Now, let me give you uh, insight into a guy's brain. A godly man knows this. Men know that sex is a weakness. We know that. We know that sex is an Achilles heel. We're, we're, we're very aware of it. And a godly man is acutely aware of it. So a godly man is going out of his way to not fall sexually. A godly man has accountability partners. A godly man has software on his phone and on his laptop. So if he looks at something inappropriate, it tells his buddies. A godly man isn't trying to, uh, won't meet a, a woman by herself except publicly. Like they'll, go, they'll have all this system built around them because they know that sex is a weakness and they, they don't want to, to fail in that area of their lives. So a godly man is looking for a woman who helps him in that area. She's an agent of purity and has the mindset of modesty. Before marriage, an agent of purity is abstinence. After marriage, agent of purity is sexually, sexual activity, right? So he's looking for that. And a woman who has a mindset of modesty. Now let me show you a couple passages here in Scripture. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 says this, Likewise also... Women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel with modesty and self-control. Uh, Proverbs 31, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Now, a godly man is going to look at passages like that and, and others, and this is the math he's going to do. He's going to say this, a woman who does not flaunt her body equals a woman who fears the Lord. A woman who does not flaunt her body equals a woman who fears the Lord, especially in a sexually supercharged culture like we live in. Now, ladies, let me, let me say this to you. You're just going to have to trust me. If you use your body to attract men, it will work. No matter how you think about yourself, it'll work. If you think you're old, if you think you're young, if you think you're skinny, if you think you're fat, if you think you're pretty, if you think you're ugly, if you use your body to attract men, you will attract them. They, they will come running, guaranteed, right? But you will attract men who are only attracted to your body. And here's the harsh reality. Any body will do. And when they're done with yours, they'll just look for another one. A godly man is not looking for that relationship. A godly man wants to know your heart. He wants to know your mind. And he most certainly will be attracted to your physical beauty. Right? That's the way we're wired. You want that. And he's going to be attracted to your physical beauty. But here's the thing. A godly man will notice your physical beauties, but he will cherish that as a gift. He will not cheapen that as a trophy. He will cherish you as a gift. He will not cheapen you as a trophy. A godly man is not looking for a trophy wife. A godly boyfriend is not asking you to dress sexy so his friends are impressed. 
A godly man is not parading you as like something that he owns or uses. A godly man knows your heart, he knows your mind. He's going to be attracted to your body. That's not, that's not difficult at all to pull off. Like, he's going to be attracted to you, but he's going to think of that as something that you would give him, not something he would be on display somewhere else. And now, this is the idea. Remember, we're in marriage. Let's reverse engineer. In marriage, this is what happens. In marriage, the Bible says that the ownership of your body changes. So when Heidi married me, she gave me the ownership of her body. Her body belongs to me now, the Bible says. And by the way, I gave her the ownership of my body. So my body is not for me to do with whatever I want, to look at whatever I want, to be with whoever I want. My body belongs to Heidi exclusively. And vice versa, her body belongs to me. A godly man is looking at a woman who recognizes that and says, I am beautiful, I am sexy, I am sexual, and that is exclusively my gift to you. I am not sexy and sexual for anybody else but my husband, right? And in dating, that is a mindset of modesty combined with abstinence. In marriage, it's a sexual relationship combined with a mindset of modesty. We, you ladies, if you are sexual in your dress, if you are sexual in your conduct, that's what you will attract. What's sexual? I'm not saying you got to be Amish or you need to wear a burqa, all right? You know what sexual is. You know how short something is short before it becomes sexy, how low a neckline is before it becomes sexy, how tight something is before it becomes sexy. And you know when you're being pretty and stylish and you know when you're being sexy. And if you don't, then ask your brother, if you, ask your dad, ask your mom, ask another godly woman and someone will help you understand that. Okay? So you know the difference. There are certain things that are appropriate in certain settings. Uh, wearing something tight-fitting in the gym while you're working out is very different than wearing it at the mall, right? Ladies, well, but I'm comfortable. I know, but uh, when a guy goes and works out at the swimming pool in Speedos, he doesn't go to Chipotle in them, <laughs> right? So it, it's environments, I'm not, there's no dress code. It's environments, it's relationship, and it's, it's motive, it's a mindset of modesty, okay? In marriage, Heidi's beauty and her sexuality were gifted to me. They're mine. They're not anybody else's, right? And a godly man is looking for a woman who thinks that way. She, she, she is not repressed. She, she is not uh, being, talking herself down, but she's looking and saying, this is something I give to one person. And in and, and dating, abstinence, and marriage, sexual activity, in all things, a mindset of modesty. The sexiness is given to the marriage relationship. And so a godly man is thinking and looking on those terms. Here's the next thing. A godly man is looking for a woman who is truthful, protective, and trustworthy because that's what love is. Love always protects. Love always tells the truth or loves the truth. And, and, and love always trusts. Okay? Now, for a guy, generally, ladies... What this is going to sound like to him is a woman who will not undermine his leadership. And let me talk to you about this for a minute. 
godly men, they're going to get it next week. All the guys know it. They're like, but we like it. We're like, scream at us. All right, it's on. Right, so we'll, we'll do that. A guy, a godly guy is continually challenged about being a leader. And by the way, that happens because it's in the scriptures. So that, that's a continual conversation. You need to be the pastor of your home. You need to lead at work. You need to blaze the path. You need to be a leader in the church. That's always in a godly guy's brain. And it's a desire that he has. He, he wants to measure up to that, okay? So a godly guy feels this pressure, really, to lead and, and to set the path. A godly man is looking for a godly woman then. Godly women allow godly men to lead them. A godly wife allows a godly husband to be the head of her home, right? Now, if he's ungodly, it's a different conversation. Right? You have to approach it differently, but I'm talking, we're talking ideal here, right? So a godly guy is looking for that. He's looking for a woman that will allow him to lead like that, and this is what happens. When he senses that she will not protect him, he cannot trust her, and she's not truthful, that is defeating to him. So this is what happens. When a man hears women talking to other women and they're male bashing, that you get together with your sister and you talk about, yeah, I know, we both married diphthongs. I was talking to my mom and my mom said I should have never married you in the first place. Or just when, you're, when, when you guys are cool and then she goes out with her girlfriends and comes back salty. When everything's cool and you go out with your, with your sister and you come back and, and you're, you're a male hater then, right? Th this is what happens. The, the, the mindset that all men are pigs, right? A godly man will react to that. I do, and, but not because I'm cocky. I react to that because I love my wife. I am not a pig, right? I am sexual, I, I, am, I, I make mistakes, I am not always sensitive, I'm not a pig. And if you call me a pig, you have deeply insulted my wife and you have deeply insulted my daughter who love and respect me. So a godly man's gonna cringe at that whole mindset. And he's gonna look and say, man, I don't think I can lead her because of this, ready? This is a huge qualifier, ready? A godly man will look to earn your love, your respect, and your trust. He won't demand it from you. He sh he'll look to earn it. I want to be respected. I want to be a hero, but I'll put the work in, right? I'm not this ogre. I'll put the work in for it. When a godly man is putting the work in for it, and your mindset isn't to praise him, to protect him, to be truthful, to be trustworthy, it's defeating. If he can't earn leadership in his family when he's trying his best and you won't give it to him because of, of independence or because of baggage or because of whatever, he's defeated and he'll, he'll kind of throw his hands up. I, I, guys say this all the time. They'll say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What well, did you do this? I tried, I tried everything. I don't know what to do. I told her, tell me what to do. She won't even tell me what to do. Right? So a godly man is going to feel loved that way. When he feels protected, when he feels like he can trust, when there's truthfulness, he's going to perceive love that way. And you give it to him, he'll double down on earning it. Right? But if he can't earn it, he'll give up on it.
Last thing, here it is. A godly man is looking for a woman who is defined by perseverance. By perseverance. Love always perseveres. And this is generally the way that a guy will translate that inside the mind of a man. Here we go. He'll, he'll translate perseverance as strength of character and determination. Strength of character and determination. Proverbs 31, talking about a wife of noble character. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Strength and dignity. Okay? So he's looking for that. Okay, here it is. Ready, ladies? This is a big one for you. A godly man is not looking for a weak woman. A godly man is not looking for a weak woman. One of the ways that the church historically has patronized women is they've said this. If you want to be a godly woman, you need to be mousy. Just do what you're told. You sit there and be quiet. Look pretty for your husband. Have dinner on the table. Vacuum. Right? And it's been that mindset. If you want to be a godly woman, you just better be mousy. That's nonsense. It's nonsense. Serving, loving, preferring, that's just being Christ-like. Weak, willed, that's, that's nonsense. A godly man is not looking for a weak woman. He is looking for a life partner who will take him someplace, and by the way, who he can take someplace. So a godly man is looking for a woman who's industrious, for instance. He's going to look and say, she, she's not lazy, she works with her hands. Ephesians chapter 4, we talked about last weekend. So she might be industrious at home if you, if you decide to organize your family that way, where you're a, a homemaker or a stay-at-home mom, but she, she's not sitting at home reading romance novels and eating bonbons, right? She, she's working. She might be industrious in the marketplace, she, she's got her degrees and she's building a career, but he's going to look at that and he's going to respect it. Or, like most women, it's both. Most women are working and managing a home at the same time, right? And so a godly man is going to respect that. He's going to look at your intellect. He's going to look at your entrepreneurship. He's going to look at your competency. He's going to look at your work dedication, and he's going to be attracted to it, Girls, listen to me. If you're dating a guy who's threatened because you're smarter than he is, if you're dating a guy who's threatened that you might make more money than he does one day, run away. A godly guy is looking and saying, I'm glad she's smarter than me in this area. And a godly woman's going to look at a man and say, I'm glad he's better at that stuff in that area. You become a team. A godly guy is going to look and say, it's fine if she makes more money. I'm thrilled if Heidi makes more money. Make all the money you want, honey. <laughs> right? It's not a threat. It's not a competition. It's a partnership. And a godly woman is clothed in strength and dignity, and a godly man is drawn to that. He loves it. He wants it. And when she takes her intellect, and she takes her abilities, and she takes and she submits it. She gives the best of herself to him. And then remember, he's doing the same thing. He submits it back. Now you have a dynamic relationship that, that God can do incredible things through. And, and it's awesome because two people are working hard to love each other, right? So that's a, that's a glimpse, ladies, inside of a man's brain a little bit. As we, we tend to generally... now. 
the guy you're dating or engaged to or, or your husband, he's, he's his own person. So you've got to process all that out on an individual thing. But in general, it's the way that we tend to think. And it's the way that we tend to perceive and receive love, right? And that's what a godly guy is looking for. Ladies, if he's not looking for those things, be careful, right? Uh, because, because you're going to wind up at a place that you don't want to be. Now, let me say this in, in conclusion to all of us who are single, right? Uh, no matter what stage or age you're at. This kind of standard's a high standard, and, and I, can, I can hear it. Uh, some of you ladies are like, uh, find me a man like that and I'll be glad to date him. Because I've been looking and I can't find him and I don't think he's out there and I hear you. And we'll deal with that next week a little bit. But ladies, listen to me. And gentlemen too, listen to me. I know it's frustrating. And I know it's lonely. And I know you have to be patient. But the frustration and the loneliness of singleness pales in comparison to the desperation of being in a bad marriage. And everybody who's gone through a divorce just nodded their head yes at me. The, the, the patience and the frustration of, and the loneliness of being single pales in comparison to the desperation of a bad marriage. You will never be lonelier than you are in a bad marriage. You will never be more isolated than you are in a bad marriage. You will never be more sexually tempted than you are in a bad marriage. Right? So trusting God, leaning not on your own understanding. You're not just going to make this happen. That's what everybody with a bad marriage did. They made it happen. I'm leaning not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm acknowledging God. I'm bringing my dating under the direction and the definition of God. And then I'm allowing Him to direct my path, right? And it may take time. God's going to take you where He wants to take you. There's no promised outcome. But I can tell you this. You would rather be synced up with the will of God than desperately in pain in a bad marriage that you made on your own. Okay. So trust God with it. This is my biggest fear. The longer you go in your singleness, the more tempted you are to trust yourself. And you're tempted to give up on the dream. You're tempted to look and say, there, there's nobody. That per Jeff, that person you just described, they don't even exist. I don't even know a godly guy. And it flips the other way too. That woman, she doesn't even exist. Everybody I date's crazy, Right? and you're tempted to bail. Listen, there is such a thing as a great marriage. There is such thing as a happy marriage. There is such a thing as a joyful marriage. I have one. I, it exists. I'm married like that. And I'm married to someone that I love. I love Heidi. Heidi loves me. I know that, right? Now, I, I Talking about this this week, somebody looked at me and they said, well, yeah, because you got the perfect marriage. I don't have the perfect marriage. That's dumb. There's no such thing as a perfect marriage. Heidi married an idiot, <laughs> right? And I married a sinner. But we have earned our marriage. We, we have submitted to one another out of reverence for Christ. I do all kinds of things that I have no interest in. I don't, I don't have any interest in owning a CrossFit box. 
do I look like I'm passionate about fitness? I have no interest in that whatsoever, right? Heidi has no, Heidi doesn't want to be the co-pastor of Grace Church. She's never looking at me and saying, why don't I ever get to speak, right? That's not, the joy of what we do, my joy comes from Heidi's joy, her dream. Heidi's joy comes from my joy. I run around and do what I do because she finds joy in me enjoying my dreams. The joy is that we submit to each other, right? And it's, of course, it's not always easy, and it's never flawless, and two sinners are trying their best not to sin against each other. But the joy of a great marriage doesn't come from me demanding that Heidi be this way or Heidi demanding that I be that way. We're looking to love each other. And it works, and it's wonderful, and there's nobody I'd rather be with. It now feels like I'm married to my best friend. It feels safe. It feels like a no-look pass, like we just understand each other. Don't give up on that. Don't become impatient for that. Don't, don't let that be sex, right? It actually exists. But listen, Heidi and I set a different foundation in our dating relationship than most people set. Heidi and I looked for different things in each other than most people look for. And Heidi and I, we're coming up on 23 years. We've been together for 25. We've been married for, it'll be 23 this summer. We have a different outcome than most people have. And it's because we're more committed to Christ than each other. We submit to one another out of a reverence for Christ. And, and we live. And it's wonderful, by the way. Right? We live differently than most people are able to live. So the dream is out there. It, it actually is true. And it's not because we got lucky. Right? It's because we approached it differently, and I'm saying to you, I'm proposing to you that if you did, could you have a different outcome as well? All right. Let me ask you these a few questions, and then the band will come out. Here's the first question. Number one, are you striving to become godly? Don't look around at the people around you. Look at you. Me. I want to become the person that I'm looking for. So are you striving to become godly? Are you allowing God to mold and shape you and change you and who, who he wants you to be, right? We just applied it to dating. Apply it to everything. Are you becoming godly? Second question, here it is. This is a hard one. Have you settled? Have you settled? Now, there's some of us that are in dating relationships right now and when I talk about, like, this excellent idea, you're like, hmm, that's not us at all. Some of our relationships need to be rebooted. And God needs to be brought to the forefront of those relationships. Some of us need to change. May, maybe you need to become abstinent in your, dating, your present dating relationship. Cut sex out of it and see what's actually there. Maybe you need to move out for a little bit before a wedding. And say, well, if we, if we cut all of the playing house out, 
are we actually in love and committed to each other? Let's, let's clarify this. We have people do that all the time here. They love it, by the way. Right? Maybe you need to break it off. But look and say, are we settling? Or is there an excellent idea that I still dream about and want to pursue? Okay, last thing. Will you trust the Lord? Lean not in your own understanding. It's no different than everything else in our lives, but for some reason we try to control our dating. Would you trust the Lord? Would you give even your dating over to the Lord? In all your ways acknowledge Him and let Him steer you through life. I'm pursuing Christ regardless if I'm doing that in a dating relationship or not, but I want to bring this part of my life under the definition and the direction of God also. Right. process that think about it act on it all right i'm going to pray and then the band's going to come and give us some time to to be with the lord jesus we love you help us in all of this god give us clarity give us courage give us direction it's a big conversation lord i, I recognize this is deeply personal so all of the things all the defenses that go up lord help us to Pull them down and just invite you in and to consider a different option. And then, Lord, from there, lead us where you'd have us to go. So, God, walk us through this in a special way even today. It's in your name, Jesus, we ask for your help. And we pray. Amen.